honor to the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. We're so thankful to be in the presence of the Lord tonight. I feel his presence in this place. Amen. I feel like we are at the threshold, about to step through the door. It's one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Ghost that we've ever witnessed. I believe these next few months are going to be landmark, watershed moments for many of your families. As we watch as things that we've prayed about for years, God is getting ready to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. The book of 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Tim, good to see you here tonight. God bless you, my friend. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Verse number 1 through 11. If I can get through verse number 1 without accidentally saying a curse word, you'll know that God is a miracle-working God. And if any of you want to try it, Now there was a certain man of Ramath Emzophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Eliu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. I may not have said him right, but I didn't say him wrong. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. In the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife, and all her sons and her daughters' portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord, everybody say the Lord. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret. Because the Lord, everybody say the Lord. Because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so, year by year, the Lord shut up her womb. Year by year, every year he made a decision. She's not ready yet. Another year went by. Nope, she's still not ready yet. The Lord had set up her womb, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up. 
After they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. I want to draw your attention, if I may, to the first phrase of verse number 9. So Hannah rose like what they just sang. It said, get up, get up, get up. I don't know how they come up with all these words for these songs. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Forgot the rest. So Hannah rose up. I didn't coordinate with Brother Ethan, but my title tonight is When the Church Gets Up. When the church gets up. Oh, that's right. Give the Lord praise. God, have your way. Confirm your word with signs following. Let the Holy Ghost be poured out. Let the gifts of the Spirit flow. Let the power of the highest shadow this place tonight. And let the church arise and her enemies be scattered. In Jesus' name, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The Bible is a book of types and shadows. When you hear that phrase, types and shadows, it means that there are often things in the biblical stories that while they were real and accurate in the moment, they also represented something in the spirit or something that was to come. In this passage of Scripture, there are many types and shadows, metaphors and similes that are representative of things that God indeed planted, planned to do, and for that, he planted the principles in his word. In this particular passage of Scripture, I believe that Penina, the wife, the first wife of Elkanah that was mentioned in the Scripture, I believe that she represents the adversary of the church. She represents Satan. She is the accuser of Hannah. And the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I believe that Elkanah represents the Lord. He is, we are the bride of Christ, and he is the bridegroom, and he also is the father. Hannah represents the church, and as we begin to understand the story of Hannah's life, I hope that you can see the parallels with what God is indeed wanting to do in the house of the Lord tonight. I believe that Samuel represents revival, that Samuel, the child born to Hannah, represents the revival that God is wanting to pour out in this end-time generation. The setting of our text takes place in a very problematic era in the history of Israel. We have a situation because 
there was a priest by the name of Eli. Eli was a man of God, but Eli's sons were wicked. I've, always, I've often wondered why that people that know better will defend unrighteousness just because it's their children and not someone else's. Amen. Amen. When somebody else's kid does something, we want the wrath of God poured out. When it's our kid, it's a whole different story. You know, I made up my mind that if I have a choice between wrath and mercy, I'm going to choose mercy every time and every opportunity that I can. But this, in this time, Eli's sons were exceedingly wicked, and people had lost faith in religion. The established religion of the land had lost the confidence of the population. 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 17 says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was, great, was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. When it was time to go to worship, because of the wickedness of Eli's sons, men dreaded going to worship God. And I am telling you that modern American Christianity has failed this country. And the modern form of Christianity that's acceptable in the world has failed this world. For amen, there's no doubt, there's no, re no wonder why people are leaving denominational Christianity by the droves and the thousands because of the dead, dry death of religion with no power of God and no anointing of God. And when you can't tell the difference between the church and the world, there's a problem with the church. Amen. Anybody want me to preach a little while tonight? I'm telling you, the church can't afford to become worldly because the world needs a churchy church, not a worldly church. Amen. The men, the men and women of that generation had seen religion misused so much that they hated the times of sacrifice as the seasons would come when they knew that they would be required to go and offer sacrifice. Long before the day came, they began to dread the journey because of Eli's sons. They used the church to further their wicked, sinful desires. And we see the same thing, the same thing with the scandals in mainstream denominations today. I sat at breakfast a couple of weeks ago on a Monday morning with a man who is a member of a mainstream denomination. And this man has bemoaned how that his denomination has decided that it's time for them to ordain homosexuals for ministry. I'm telling you that modern American so-called Christianity has failed this generation. Amen. Can we still preach? against perversion in the house of God. And people still say, preach, preacher. God has called his church to be holy. Amen. Organized, organized American Christianity has failed to bring spiritual growth and blessing. Amen. Because of the dearth of anointing in most of America's churches, 
America has decided that by and large she'd rather be an atheist the country and an atheist nation. Uh, but if that's what I thought Christianity was, I wouldn't want it either. I'm glad I'm not in one of those dead, dry churches. But there's a move of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I felt it. I saw it. I know it. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Amen. I know I'm trying my best to save my voice. Man, I've been on a marathon of preaching Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. It feels like forever. I'm starting to wear down. You want to pray I can, I can preach tonight because I feel something in my spirit. But we see the same in this world, people who are, are, are tired of what America claims Christianity is. Amen. I know that people get tired of hearing me preach about the failure of modern religion, but we need to we need to we need to show the difference between what's real and what's counterfeit, so people will know that there's still a real Holy Ghost moving in this world. We need people to see that there's still a real power of God that's being poured out in this house. In this world, God's not dead. God is still alive. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's right. In Hannah's day, the popular religion had failed society. The apostolic church doesn't have to take a back seat to any dead, dry, denominational religion in this day and hour. They have failed this generation and it needs to be preached about that there is a difference between dead church and real church and dead religion and real religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me a book of Acts Holy Ghost outpouring. Give me a book of Acts touch of the Holy Ghost. Don't give me some dead dry denominational stuff. Give me the real outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God pour it out. God pour it out. God pour it out. God pour it out. God pour your spirit out in this place. God let the Holy Ghost fill this house. I wish somebody'd praise God right now. Amen. Somebody needs to tell this generation there's a real anointing from heaven that you can have. You can have the Holy Ghost today. It's still real. It'll set you free. It'll give you joy. It'll give you peace. It'll touch your heart. It'll touch your mind. It'll touch your soul. It'll deliver you. I wish somebody would lift your hands and say, give me the real thing. Can I preach a little bit more? Christianity is more than this TBN watered-down television mess. Always asking for money but never telling somebody how to be saved. It's more than dead, dry, boring services. There's a real life, real power in the gospel and in the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen. Those of you who are here all the time, you've been around the church for a while, you may get tired of hearing me preach that there's something real 
in this place, but there's some people here for the first time, and they need to know that what we've got is real. It's more than emotionalism. It's the power of God. It'll get you off meth. Do I have a witness? It'll get you off meth. It'll get you off the bottle. It'll get you off drugs. It'll put your marriage back together. It'll give you peace. It'll give you joy. It'll set you free. It'll touch you. Oh, I wish somebody would say praise the Lord. What I'm talking about is a delivering power of the Holy Ghost. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. It's this Pentecostal blessing. And I know, I know it's, if you know it's real, why don't you give God a praise right now? In Samuel's day, Dead religion had brought disaster to Israel. First Samuel 3 and 1, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Notice this verse, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. The original Hebrew for the word precious means scarce. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days. There was a scarcity of truth being preached because the, because the priest's own sons were so wicked. The priest quit preaching, and so he wouldn't preach the word because he knew that it would rub his children the wrong way. And so there was a scarcity. You with me tonight? There was the word of the Lord was precious, was scarce in those days. There was no true doctrinally sound preaching. Nobody was preaching the truth. People were just patting you on the back. Accept the Lord. Everything will be all right. You can go party all weekend, and you can come in hungover, and you can still sing in the choir. You can still tell, look, it'll be all right. It's okay. Just pat them on the head and tell them everything's all right. As long as you give your offering, everything will be okay. The word of the Lord was precious. Somebody's got to preach the word. There's got to be somebody that's going to tell people, you got to be born again. you got to be delivered. You need the word of God. Here's, here's what the New Living renders that verse. The, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. Messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. Religion had gotten to the point where God had decided, if they don't want me, then I'm not going to speak to them, and I'm not going to show them anything. If what they want is dead, carnal religion, I'm going to let them have all the dead, carnal religion they want, and I'm not going to talk to them, and I'm not going to show them anything. But if they ever decide that they want me again, I'll send the word of the Lord, and I'll revive the vision in the midst of the years. And it came to pass, verse 2, at that time, when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. You see the image of the ministry laid down to rest, relaxed, not passionate, not on fire, 
not working, but laid down, and his eyes began to wax dim. The ministry had lost its vision, had lost its spiritual vision. And I'm telling you that what we need to do more than anything else is pray that God would raise up men of God, pastors and ministers in this generation who aren't interested in just laying down to this world and laying down to sin. But God, let me rise up with a word from you and anoint my eyes with a vision for revival. Lord, don't let my eyes become dim that I can't see. The result, the result of a lazy ministry with no vision is found now in verse number three. Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel laid down to sleep. The ark had been taken by the Philistines, and the lamp of God went out. No more revelation, no more illumination, no more vision, and where the presence of God was, now there is a void. The light went out in the temple. So with me, notice, there's no messages from the Lord, there's no fresh vision, there's a lazy ministry, and there's no vision in the eyes of the ministry, and the lamp of God has gone out in the temple of the Lord. And that, my brothers and sisters, was the condition of the time that you and I are reading about in the Bible. And may I tell you, with no conviction at all that I may be off target tonight, that this is what's happening in our world today. Churches are losing their light. Denominations are losing their revelation. The lamp has gone out. Pastors get tired of fighting against worldliness and carnality, so they let down on holiness, and they let down on the truth. And before long, the church is no different from anything in the world because the pastor has lost his vision for revival, and he's laid down. Preachers dropping biblical holiness to embrace worldliness, to build a crowd, to pay the bills. Embracing carnal Christianity because their lamp is going out. And in our text, there was a man named Elkanah. He had two wives. Somebody should have said, uh-oh. One wife, Peninnah. Peninnah is producing children, but she's got a bad spirit. She's growing, but she's not right with God. Praise God. Peninnah has children, but her spirit is rotten. The other wife, Hannah, has a right spirit, but a barren womb. God, if I was preaching general conference right now, I'd preach against churches that are filling their pews, but they're not preaching anything. They're growing with the wrong spirit. 
And right when they all started to shout and said, sick him, preacher, get him, Brother V. And they were all patting me on the back about how hard I was preaching to them. Then I'd just turn it around and say, you're no better because you got a right spirit, but you haven't had a revival in forever. When was the last time you baptized anybody? When was the last time anybody was filled with the Holy Ghost or delivered? God wants a church that's right in spirit and growing. I'm telling you, God wants us to be doctrinally right, but he wants us to have room for the sinner and the lost soul and the backslider. God wants us to be productive and right. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Y'all all right? I'm starting to get wound up a little bit. When the time of year was come for them to go to worship. They went to offer sacrifice. And Elkanah, being a good husband and a good father, he goes to Peninnah, even though her spirit's wrong. It doesn't mean that he's not going to bless her because the goodness of God leads to repentance. And so the father gives to Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters, what the Bible said, portions. He gave them money for the trip, money for the journey. He gave them a blessing for the journey. But then the Bible said to Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. Did you catch that one little difference in there? To Peninnah and her sons and daughters, he gave portions. But, oh, praise God, that sounds so much better. I can hear myself now. Amen. If, if I was younger and stronger, I'd put that on my shoulder and just carry it around like a boom box back in my day. I'd might break dance for the Lord before it was over. Amen. Boy, that, that ooh, hallelujah. To Peninnah, he gave portions. To Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. For the love he had to her. Amen. Peninnah got a portion. And we got to be careful not to mistake blessings for approval. But Hannah got a worthy portion because the love he had for her. And the Bible says that as he did so year by year when they went to the house of the Lord, every time they went to the house of the Lord, he blessed them. Every time they went, he blessed them. Every time he, they went, he blessed them. Let me just tell you that God wants his people to get blessed every time they come to the house of God. Every time you come through those doors, it's God's will to pour a blessing on you, on your family, on your children, on your ministry, on your finances, on your work, on your business, on your mind, on your body, and on your soul. God wants his people blessed. If you've not been blessed yet, you ought to throw your hands up because it's God's plan for you to get one before you go. If you've not ever received the Holy Ghost, God wants you to have the Holy Ghost before you walk out this building. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, God wants you to be baptized tonight. God wants to wash your sins away. God wants to pick you up out of discouragement, depression, anxiety, fear. He wants to pick you up out of addiction. He wants to pick you up out of the mess you're in. God wants to bless you in his house. 
Oh, I wish somebody would thank him because he's a blessed. Hey, I've already been blessed tonight. I've already felt the power of God. Not only did I get a blessing, I got a worthy blessing. I got the power of God in my life. I got the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I got peace in my mind, peace in my heart, joy in my spirit. I'm a blessed man. Every time Hannah went to the house of the Lord, she got a worthy portion. And her adversary, Peninnah, wasn't too happy about it. Let me just tell you something. You got to understand this. Your enemy does not like seeing you blessed. The devil does not like watching you be blessed by the Lord. He's got stadiums all over this country full of people drinking and cursing and fighting and partying. He's got bar rooms all over the land filled with people swapping wives and all other kinds of mess. He's got people all over this world shooting up dope, cursing, taking his name in vain, living like the devil, and he, can, and he just has it all from coast to coast. But it bothers him that you came to church tonight to lift your hands and love God. The devil doesn't want you blessed. The devil, but I got news, devil, you're not in charge. You're not the gatekeeper of my blessing. You're not the gatekeeper of my joy. Devil, you don't have the right to tell me what I can and can't have. It's my father's choice. God chose to bless me. God chose to bless me. And it doesn't matter if my adversary likes it or not. Let me tell you, you ought to shout right now just to make the devil mad and let him know that he's not in control of your worship and he's not in control of your life. Oh, God. Her adversary provoked her sore to make her fret. The enemy will do whatever he can do to try to rob you of your spiritual joy. Amen. I love giving away these five baptism certificates today. Man, wasn't that awesome? Amen. I can't wait to give out 500 more just like it. Let me tell all our new baptism people today. Let me just tell you, the devil will try to do all he can to take the joy out of your baptism. He doesn't like the fact that your sins have been washed away. He doesn't like the fact that you've got a brand new start and a brand new beginning. But I'm going to tell you, the devil's not in charge of your life anymore. When you went down in Jesus' name, you were adopted into the family of God. And that new name is on you. And God, God wants to bless you. God, God wants to bless you. I wish I could get everybody in this building that you, go, you walk around thinking I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve anything. I'm no good. Look at all I've done. Look at all the mistakes I've made. Look at all the stuff I've messed up. You need to shut your mouth right now and quit talking like that because God chose to bless you. And if God chose to bless you, you quit trying to talk him out of it. You ever be around somebody that cooked a good meal 
And everybody at the table saying, man, that is so good. That is so good. And the first thing the cook will say, it didn't turn out how I wanted it to. It's got too much salt. It's got too much sugar. Look, just be quiet and say, thank you for the blessing. And when the devil tries to tell, don't you try to talk God out of pouring the blessing on your life. If you're here, it's because God wants you here. And God wants to bless you. So you ought to just wave your hand and say, I've made a big mess of everything. But God sure loves me. Because he still blessed me anyway. God wants to be good to you. Do you hear me? God wants... Elkanah knew that Hannah had no children. Elkanah knew that Hannah was barren. Elkanah, but he still blessed her anyway. God knows you got problems. He knows you got issues. He knows you got struggles. But God has chosen to bless you besides all that. Don't try to talk him out of it. Some of you, now I'm trying to be nice, but some of you don't need a devil. Some of you don't need a devil at all. Because you talk God out of blessing you on your own. You don't need the devil to help. Somebody ought to say, get thee behind me, devil. And you ought to tap yourself on the chest and say, that means you too, buddy. I've decided that I'm going to let God bless me. I'm going to let God be good to me. I know I'll never be perfect, but I'm going to do my best to do all I can to serve him. And where I fail, I'm going to say, God, I'm just going to trust you. you. He chose to bless Hannah even when Hannah was barren. If he did it for Hannah, he'll do it for you. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless your children. God wants to bless your finances. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless your mind, body, spirit. God wants to bless you. And so Hannah, year after year, got her blessing and went to the house of the Lord. And there's no, there's no record. All we know is that the Bible said that as he did so year by year, that this was a yearly situation repeated year after year after year. I don't know how many years. I don't know if it was, you know, year by year, I guess could mean two. It could mean 20. I don't know. But I know it was a recurring issue in Hannah's life. She was barren. She got a blessing. Her adversary provoked her to make her fret. But notice what the Bible said. The Lord had shut up her womb. It wasn't a physical issue in Hannah's body that kept her from having a child. It wasn't an issue in Elkanah's body that kept them from having a child. It wasn't a relationship issue that kept them from having a child. The Bible said the Lord had shut up her womb. Am I in the book? And as he did so, Year by year. As they went to the house of the Lord, Hannah's getting her blessing. She's got her blessing, put it in her pocket, going off to the house of the Lord. 
Penina's behind her. You don't deserve that. You know you're not good enough. What? You never had a child. You never had a revival. You never gave life. What do you think you're doing getting a blessing? You've never done anything for, the, for, for Elkanah. You are so unworthy. And, and, and all the way to the house of God, there's this voice. You are so unworthy. You are no good. You don't deserve a blessing. You don't deserve the hand of God. Look, I'm preaching to some folks right now that are dealing with a whole lot of self-shame over stuff that you've done. And you hear the voice of your adversary behind you saying, you're no good. You don't deserve the blessing. And every time you start to feel God really do something, you abort it yourself because you hear that voice. Yeah, I don't deserve it. You're right. I don't deserve it. You're right. I shouldn't be blessed. But look, what you got to do is just say, get thee behind me, devil. You're jealous because I got a worthy portion. You wish you were me. You wish you were me. I wish somebody has been baptized in Jesus' name would tell the devil, you wish you were me because you know you got hell in your future, but I got a promise. Now get, the, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to hurry because I've, in just the last few seconds, I got hungry. You got you to gotta imagine with me that she's got her pockets full of blessings now. now the, 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 the husband has given her blessings and her pockets are loaded with blessings. He, he loaded her with benefits and here she comes to worship the Lord and she's just loaded down with blessings and the adversary's behind her. You're no good. You don't deserve it. You've never done anything productive. You're worthless. You're useless. Who do you think you are? You've never provided a son or daughter to Alcana. You've never done anything. You've ne- you're, no, you're worth nothing. What do you think you do? What, what makes you think you deserve a blessing? Anybody ever hear that in your head before? When you're trying to worship God and you're trying to get your life together and every time you take a step forward, it feels like the enemy's just dragging you back and here she goes loaded down with blessings to the house of the Lord and the Bible said the Lord shut up her womb and he did so year by year. One year he looks, because look, I gotta get, I gotta get moving. I gotta hurry, don't I? Here's what's going on. God knows that the seed of Elkanah and the egg of Hannah has the genetic capability to produce a Samuel. And Samuel is not like any other baby. And Samuel's not like anybody else's little boy. Because Samuel... When everybody else in the temple is lazy and asleep and can't hear God, Samuel's ears are different than everybody else's ears. Because while they're all sound asleep, Samuel hears the voice of God saying, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And while all the other people's voices are just speaking whatever, the Bible said not one of Samuel's words fell to the ground. Everything that Samuel said happened and had power and the power of God with it everything. There was something about Samuel that God knew was different, that it's inside of Hannah to have a Samuel. And I can't let Hannah have a Samuel as long as Hannah is more worried about Hannah than she is about the kingdom of Israel. Because if I give it to her when she's all about herself, then Israel will never have the revival that Samuel's supposed to bring. And so he makes a decision. She's still not ready for revival. And another year goes by. Another year of blessings. And another year where she goes. 
And God looks and says, no, she's still not ready for the kind of revival I want to send. She's still not ready for a Samuel revival. And another year goes by, and he looks at her, nope, nope, nope. It's, look, we, we, we need a Samuel revival. The, the lamp's gone out in the temple. There's no open vision. The word of the Lord is precious. Eli's, Eli's blind. He's, he's laid down, and we need this revival. And he looks at Hannah, and he says, are you ready now? And no, she's, and so the Lord shut up her womb. Twice the Bible said the Lord shut up her womb. Because he made the decision that Hannah is still not ready to have a Samuel kind of revival. And so year by year it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Until this passage we read about in the Bible. When the Bible says, I, I don't, I, I'm away from my notes, you have to put up the one that says, so Hannah rose up. So Hannah rose up. Her adversary provoked her sword to make her fret, for the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, she went into the house of the Lord. The Lord shut up her womb. And then all of a sudden, and Samuel, or the Bible says, and Hannah. I, was, I needed that cheat up there, but it hadn't come up yet, so I'm just going to go with, there it is. So Hannah rose up. Pastor, I don't know what changed. I don't know what changed. But this time, something was different. Year by year, she just took it. She just listened to her adversary. Year by year, she was satisfied being blessed but being barren at the same time. She was satisfied getting the blessing from the, from the husband, but not ever having a child. But something happened this time. She said, I can't live like this anymore. I can't live with a barren womb anymore. I can't go like this any longer. I've got to have a revival. So this time, Hannah rose up. Something got a hold of her. Something got a hold of her. Instead of just dealing with it, she said, I've had all of this adversary I can take. I'm tired of her mouth. I'm tired of her accusations. I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of being blessed but never having a child. I'm tired of getting blessed every service but never having revival. I want my revival. And so she gets up and says, no more am I going to live a barren life. No more am I going to live an empty life. I'm not going to have an empty cradle in my house anymore. No more am I going to settle for being blessed but being barren. She rose up. Get up, get up, get up. <laughs> Can I read to you something the Lord told me? Something he told me. Just this afternoon, until you want something so bad that you can't do anything but pray about it, you don't want it bad enough. You may be seated. No, really, stop shouting. I got to finish this sermon. Settle, settle down, quit shouting. Until you want something so bad that you can't do anything but pray about it. You don't want it bad enough. And until we want revival so bad 
that it's all we can think about. We don't want it bad enough to shake our world until this church wants revival so bad that it's all that we can think about. That every day we wake up, God, give us a child. God, give us a Samuel revival. God, give us a Samuel revival. God, give us an outpouring until we want it like that. We don't want it bad enough. It's not enough just to be blessed. It's not enough just to have a good income. It's not enough just to have a nice home. It's not enough just to get a blessing. I got to have a Samuel revival. I got to get up. I can't take it anymore. Let me tell you what's getting a hold of my spirit. I'm ready to go to another level, folks. I'm ready to move to another dimension of revival. I'm ready to see the Holy Ghost poured out in a way like I hadn't seen. God, I want my Samuel revival. Come on, church. It's time to get up. It's time. It's time to make it priority. It's got to outweigh fishing and hunting and golf and basketball and baseball and volleyball and everything else. It's got to, it's got to be more than just something we'd like. It's got to be what we need. The Bible said she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. God, give me a child. God, give me a Samuel. God, give me a Samuel revival. God, open my womb and give me a Samuel revival. I can't take it anymore. I'm tired of the adversary. I'm tired of just being blessed. I got to have a move of your spirit. I got to have a change. Hannah got up. Let me read one more verse to you. Verse 19, 1 Samuel chapter number 1. I'm going to close with this, I think, maybe. And they rose up. Everybody say they got up. In the morning early. And worshipped before the Lord. They rose up early in the morning. And worshiped before the Lord. And returned and came to their house to Ram and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Notice the order of the verse. It did not say the Lord remembered Hannah, so she got up and worshiped him. It doesn't say that she became expecting Samuel and then worshiped the Lord. Before she ever had the child Samuel in her belly, she worshiped the Lord for her revival before her revival ever came. She learned how to shout about her miracle before the miracle came. She learned how to shout. That's why I said a while ago, let's shout for the next baptism because I've got a principle from the word of God that says if I worship for my breakthrough before my breakthrough comes, God will remember. If I praise him 
before my miracle happens, he'll remember that I praised him when I had nothing. I praised him when I was frustrated. I praised him when I was weak. I praised him when I was tired. I praised him when I had nothing. And God remembers people who'll praise him before the miracle happens. Let me just tell you right now where I'm going with this. The way we praise God over these next few months is going to determine what kind of revival we have. The way we worship before they're baptized is going to determine how many get baptized. Oh, come on, moms and dads. The way you worship before your child prays through. The way you worship before your baby gets the Holy Ghost. God remembers people who praise in advance of their breakthrough. Oh, I wish somebody praised him right now. Not because you got your revival, but because you're looking for your revival. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Somebody needs to get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that seat. Somebody needs to get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that discouragement. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that depression. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that whiny attitude. And let's worship God. And let's praise Him for our Samuel revival. Hey, can we praise? I wonder if we could shout for revival. We got a pastor from Mantachi here tonight. We got a pastor from Columbus here tonight. Brother Tim's representing the church at Pinedale tonight. I wonder if we could praise God for their revival. It's kingdom business. God poured out. God poured out. God poured out. God poured out. We've got some, we got some parents here who have children who are away from God. I wonder if we could praise God for their revival in their children, just like it was our children. We've got some young people whose parents aren't in the church. I wonder if we could worship God with them for their daddy coming back and their mama coming back. Amen. We got, we, got these, we got these sweet ladies from the Warrior Center. We're so glad you're here. I wonder if we could shout for a Holy Ghost revival sweeping through the Warrior Center. And these ladies getting filled with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I wonder if we could shout for a 50-soul revival through our Be Free program before it happens. I wonder if we could shout for the Holy Ghost sweeping through our children's church and our babies getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. All these babies up here. I wonder if we could shout for the revival that's getting ready to break out in our high schools and elementary schools all across this area. I wonder if we could shout. 
before it happens. I'm telling you, God will remember. God will remember. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. When the church gets up. We're going to have as much revival as we really want. You hear what I'm saying? We're going to have as much revival as we really want to have. As much as we really want to invite people, that's how much we're going to have. As much as we're willing to pray with people, that's how much we're going to have. As much as we're willing to get in the prayer room and pray the fire down, that's what we're going to have. We're going to have as much. Get up, get up, get up. I feel like we're starting to understand that we want more than a blessing. We want a Holy Ghost outpouring. I want to see chains fall. I want to see devils cast out. Hey! I feel it! I feel it! I feel it! I feel it! Come on, church. Get up, get up, get up. So they got up and they worshiped. Why don't you let your praise be the testimony of your faith right now? Why don't you let your worship be the testimony of the Samuel revival before it ever comes, before it ever starts, before you ever see it? I believe in God for it. I'm shouting for it right now. I'm worshiping for it right now. God fill the water. God fill the baptistry. God fill the baptistry. God fill the altar. God fill the pew. God fill the prayer room. God fill the Sunday school class. God fill the Christian school. God fill the Be Free program. God fill the ministries. God fill the choir loft. God fill the usher room. God fill the church. Get up, get up, get up. Look at somebody, tell them, get up. Hey, Jesus. Oh, does anybody feel what I feel? anybody feel something about to break loose in this part of the country? Does anybody feel something about to shake this world with the Holy Ghost revival? Oh, if you feel it, get up. Get your hands up. Get your voice up. Get your feet up. Get your praise up. Get your faith up. Get your prayers up. Get your faithfulness up. Get your giving up. Get your life up. Get up. Look at somebody, tell them, get up.
Get up, get up. See, cancer ain't nothing for a God that can make the world stand still. Cancer ain't nothing for a God that can dry up an issue of blood and raise the dead and open blinded eyes. Amen. Somebody that's facing an impossible task, you ought to just go ahead and give God your praise in advance. Just go ahead and get up. Yes. Somebody ought to shout for your marriage being better. It may be in trouble now, but you ought to thank God and praise Him. You ought to get up right now.
agree together for another level of breakthrough for our families, for our men and women, our young people, our children. God, we believe you for another level of revival for our community and our city. God, we release it by the anointing of the Holy Ghost on these men and women in Jesus' name, on these young people and children in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise as you're returning to you.